So I'm going to start off with these first six verses. We're going to talk about this first half right here, then we'll do the second half. So, so let me uh, go over what we just read. We, what we just read was, was a really incredible way. God showing us. Well, let me start here. Let me start with verse. Uh, let, me, let me go back and start with verse four. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of war, the world. That statement, Albert Paul is placing us in the, in the big picture of God's plan. Here's what he's saying. That, that those of you, you saints in the church of Ephesus, you have been chosen. I think that is incredible when we think of our relationship with God. We have to remember that God chooses us to be in a relationship with him. That is foundational as we look at God and understand our relationship with him is knowing that, man, we are chosen. And I think something that does for me personally, I don't know, it makes me feel wanted, I guess. And I think that's, I, we can get in our heads sometimes that we're like, man, God puts up with me. He doesn't really want me. Yeah. He just puts up with me because, you know, I've been baptized. I'm in Jesus. I'm saved. He puts up with, with my junk. No, you've been chosen. You're, you're wanted. And I think that is very significant. Um, something really big here. Chosen him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. Okay, so the, here's, I think, a wrong way to look at Jesus that sometimes we can fall into. I think we can look at Jesus, in, in the scope of the Bible, we can look at Jesus as maybe the, the backup plan yeah. because everything before Jesus didn't, didn't work. Right? The Israelites and, and the covenant and everything, it's like, wow, well, you know, it just wasn't working out. They kept turning away from God, and God was like, all right, got to do something different. No, this is huge because what this tells us was Jesus was not plan B, but you being chosen by Jesus has been the plan since the beginning of everything, since the foundation of the world, since the beginning Jesus has been plan A, not plan B. You being chosen by God to be in Jesus has, has been the plan since the beginning of everything. This has always been God's plan for you for all time, is to be chosen and to be in Jesus. So again, we're getting this huge picture idea, but, but you say, no, this is, this is the plan that you're chosen to, to be in him. Jesus was not the, the SWAT coming in, no, the backup plan. Jesus, it's, God's not like, oh, it's really falling apart down there. We got to, you know, we got backup. Send you in and take care. That's just, that wasn't the dynamic since the beginning. We were chosen to be in Christ. That we should be holy and blameless before him. This concept of being holy and blameless. We're going to get, we're really going to dig into the blameless part here in a minute. But to be holy, it's used a few different ways in, in the Bible, but the way it's being used here is saying special is really what it means. Set apart. That, that's the word. To be set apart for something special for God. And so not only were you chosen where you wanted, there's a, there's a reason. God wants you, wants us. There, there's a reason why we're chosen to set apart. And we're, again, we're, we're going to get into more of that later, and especially as we go through this series. But there, not only were we chosen, but there's a reason why. It wasn't just for fun or because right, I, I think what we, it's really tempting to start looking at church. What we do here is maybe an, an addition to our week. It's like I'm going to live my life and then I'm going to throw some church. Right. In. And that's just not how God designed it. There's a purpose why we're here and why we do what we do. Amen. So you know, it, I love having fun together with you guys. It's, it's amazing. I love building memories. Uh, Cody, just can I send, can I talk about the text? Yeah. Cody, Cody sent me a text. I was coming back from uh, from. Um, uh, Jason and I were out fishing. I was coming back from that that trip, and I got a text from Cody. He's like, "I challenge you," and I was like, "Oh, to what?" Right? That's just the first thing I read in the preview. I'm like, what? What happened? Did I do something wrong? Like that was. I'm a guilty soul. So that's where I went. I read the rest of the text to a brisket cook off, and I was like, "Oh, okay, all right." Uh, I, I'm, you know. 
Me and Jason were just having a conversation about this. Jason was complimenting my brisket, and he was like, Daniel, before I compliment your brisket, you need to know, do not let this go to your head. It's just an objective. <laughs> anyway, but after Jason said that and I got that, I was like, mm, okay. Uh, so I'll let, and you know, we're going to talk about that. It's a really fun idea. I love having fun and doing stuff like that together as a family. Yeah. yeah. But here's my big, you know, uh, at the end of the day, this is not a social club. Right. 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 And we can start thinking of it like that. Also, oh, something fun I'll do on the side. And like it is. I have a lot of fun with you guys. But we're not just a social club. Yeah. We're here for a reason. Yeah. To have a major impact on the grand story of the universe. So I just want us to hear that and to get that. It's big. Like what we're reading here in these verses today is huge. And here's why I think that's so cool. Because I think we all long for purpose. I really do. I think everybody at some point in our life, we have the question, why am I here? What's the purpose of me being here? Whether that's just on earth or just here, maybe in Eugene. What am I doing? What am I supposed to do with my life? And there's a lot of different ways that we can answer that question. There are. There's tons. But there's there's only one real answer to that question. And it's found in the Bible. It's found in our relationship with God. It's found, I think, here in Ephesians. So I think that's a fundamental thing we can all think about and all struggle with. But the, also the good news I have for us today is there's an answer for it here in the Scripture. Why are we here? Well, because you're chosen by God. We're, let's, we'll keep moving. We'll get into it. Um, okay, where do we leave off? Uh, verse 6. To the praise of His glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now that, the per- beloved is Jesus, okay? So verse seven, in him, talking about the beloved Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Now, this is amazing. Verse eight, which he lavished upon us mm-hmm. in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in heaven and things on earth. So when I say like some of the most loaded stuff in the Bible, this is what I'm talking about. Like, wow, what did Paul just say to us? Man, there's a lot happening there that I think is incredible. Incredible. I'm going to break it down like this. In Christ, we have two things. And there's reasons why we have those two things. And here's what that means. Here's the implication of that, the big story. That's kind of through as I'll break it down. So starting in verse 7, in him we have two things. One, redemption through his blood. And two, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Let's start with number one. What we have in Jesus is the redemption through his blood. Okay, so really what's going on here is I break down those three, these three different, uh, you know, flow, the flow of logic. What we're seeing is our, uh, our present is transformed. We currently have redemption. Our present life can be transformed. The forgiveness of our sins, our past life can be forgiven and the slate wiped clean. Now, that's an incredible idea. You just stop and think about that for like three seconds. That's an incredible idea. Yeah. And then three, we're, our, our life and our purpose is secured for the future. So what we just saw here is God is, is, is like saving our present, our past, and our future. And we just saw that like, this one, it's incredible what we're reading here right now. Okay, so just one at a time, uh, redemption through his blood. The, the, the reality that, that you and I get to be redeemed, that's incredible. That right now, here, presently right now, 
you can have a brand new life. You don't have to be what you used to be. You have the potential today to be, I'm going to use a word that maybe you could take the wrong way, but better than who we were yesterday. If you could, I'm, I'll use a church word to explain that. Sanctified. This continual that we get to change and grow and be better and somebody new and somebody different. Every single day we have this redemption. Oh, I, I should specify to get like a little nerdy with the words. When, when he says, in him we have, this, this, this have is a, pre, like it, uh, in the Greek, you know, we, it's, it's a continual right here, right now thing. That's really cool. All the time. I think this is really key for us to remember as Christians. I think we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every yeah. single day. And I'm telling you right now, the better you can preach the gospel to yourself, the better you'll be able to preach it to other people. And you can really internalize it, the better you'll be able to share that with others. Right? So I think that's significant. Okay, so we have redemption right now. Forgiveness of our sins. That, that who we used to be doesn't have to be what we live under anymore. Here's what I mean by that. I think sometimes, and I can feel this today, that's why we constantly need to work through this. I can look at my past and the mistakes that I've made, which there have been many, and I can feel crushed underneath the weight of that. And that can paralyze me from moving forward yeah. and doing anything else. Oh, well, I'm this person. I'm, you know, I'm selfish or I'm lazy or I'm crit- These are not hypothetical. This is me. I'm selfish and I'm lazy and I'm critical and I'm judgmental and I'm self-righteous. And man, because of all these things, I'm just like, ah, I can't. Who am I to, to go out and have a relationship with God? Who am I to like invite somebody to church because I am a wreck? Like I can get paralyzed underneath these things and, that, and just get stuck in that. But what God wants us to see is all those, you know, the forgiveness of your trespasses, which when I hear the word trespass, you know, I, I think of like stained glass windows and I just think of really churchy stuff. It's like, I don't know, I'm not trying to dog that, but there's just a, a more beautiful reality underneath that word. Our trespasses are forgiven. It's like every single rebellion we've made against God through our sin, hurting him and other people. God's like, I, I don't see that. If you're in Christ, I don't see it. I see Jesus on the cross. I smell beautiful fragrance. He's trying to tell me, Daniel, I don't see that. I see you forgiven in this hope for just a totally new life. Daniel, there's hope. That's a huge thing we're going to get into in the following weeks is the hope that we're given in Jesus. So so our our past uh, transgressions are forgiven so we don't have to live under the weight of that. Do not get stuck in that because... Right now, we can have the ability to be redeemed, something new, forgiven. Amen? Okay. So, uh, in Him, we have those two things. Why do we have those two things? Well, it's half, uh, I'll just read the verse and I'll get to it. So, in Him, we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses. Okay, so why do we have those two things? Well, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished, lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Okay, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. So, so why do we get to this beautiful new reality? Uh, because the riches of God's grace. I love that Paul uses the word riches because that's like a universally understood concept. Yes, yeah. we all understand what it means to have a lot of something. Whether it's like wealth or however you're measuring it, like like it's the you know the pirate chest of treasure. That's how I thought of it when I was a kid. That's riches. 
uh, or, or whatever, whether it's a lot of things in your life, like you have a lot of resources, you have riches, like we get this concept of abundance. And so Paul chooses this word so we can get the concept of the abundance of God's grace. And not just the abundance, but I also think he uses the word rich to, co- to communicate the value yeah. of this grace. Like this yeah. is valuable stuff to have this, the riches of his grace, not just given, but lavished. Like, man, these words here, it's beautiful. It's like yeah. gushing. When I, I can picture Paul writing this just gushing with emotion and gratitude and understanding of, of his forgiveness. It's like, look, you guys don't get it. I was dragging people out of their home, uh, sending them into jail, approving of people's death because they were talking about Jesus. And so Paul would understand this. I have not just been like given grace. I have been given grace. It has been lavished upon you. This is incredible what we have. He's like, so, so here's the thing. I think sometimes we forget the riches of God's grace because we forget the severity of sin in life. Mm-hmm. Very true. I think Paul acutely understood this because as he would say, he was the chief of sinners. And you can do this really cool. Uh, you can track Paul's understanding of his sin throughout Scripture. Uh, a buddy of mine, you guys, some of you remember Alex Alford. He did this study one time. He did a chronological um, account of Paul's writings. And he saw the more, the longer Paul lived, the more he understood his sin. Really cool. I should try to get that study from him. So I think when we don't understand our sin and how serious it is, we can't understand how amazing the reality is that we get grace yeah. and forgiveness. Yeah. Right? So the more beautiful, the more seriously we take our sin more beautifully we can understand His grace. That's the way I always put it. This, this must be done. We have to understand the severity of it so we can understand just how rich the grace of God really is. Yeah. And I think when we do that, that changes us. That does yeah. something in us. It changes our attitude. It changes our outlook. I'm going to end the sermon off with a quote about that. So, you know, apply that concept, that concept of how it changes us. So He has done that. He's lavished uh, upon us in all wisdom and insight. So it's with a lot of thinking that God has done this. He's like, he knows what he's doing. This is a very insightful idea of God to do this. And it's a very smart and wise thing. And we're going we're gonna to get to why. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. There's so many ways to talk about the will of God. I like talking about the will of God because I think many of us often question what the will of God is. Maybe not necessarily in, in a faithless way, but just kind of like, God, what is your will for my life? Yeah. What, what am I doing? Yeah. What's my next step? What's my next move? Should I take this job? Should I do this? And uh, I think I've talked about it in the, in the sense of Romans 12 where like literally how you can make decisions like that. This is a little more big picture. That God has made, like, there's not a mystery left when it comes to, to, to the will of God on the big picture. He's making it known to us right here, right now. The will of God is for you to be adopted as a son of Him. It's for you to have these things, to be forgiven, to have redemption. This is the mystery made known of God. But not just in isolation, but through Jesus. This is something continually goes back to. If you're in Jesus, this is what you get right here, right now. If you're not in Jesus, it's not what you get. So that's significant. We need to explore these things and ask myself, am I really say am I in a relationship with Jesus? Am I saved? If you're questioning that, you know, just talk. We can study it out. That's fine. But if you're in Jesus, this is what you have, this is what you get. And this mystery's been this is the plan. This mystery's been made known. This is the God's will for us, is that we're reconciled to God through Jesus. 
So that big question is answered, which is really cool. Now, I don't know, maybe so. Maybe it's like, well, yeah, I kind of know that. So, well, that's good. I'm glad you know that. But I think what can happen is we can start answering that question in different ways. I don't know. Maybe that's for another show. So, uh, um, the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. So what we just learned in this last verse, we got the end game. There's no, we know what God wants. We know what he's going to do. I love this so much because I, there can be this fictionalization of what the, the end times are going to be like. I don't know, there's movies and stuff. It's like this, these giant battles and, and God's like, ah, I fight, you're fighting demons and unleashing an army of angels. There's going to be a big war. Da, 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 da. Well, what we see actually in, in Revelation, there's really no battle or war. Jesus shows up. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's done. Like, that's it. Like, he wins. There's not really a, this major. Yeah, as soon as Jesus shows up, it's like, I, I'm God. I got it. Battle's over. And so we see the end game right here is that all things in heaven and on earth are going to be united to God. Redeemed to God in, in, a, in a direct relationship holy with God. That's the, we, we hear it. It's the end game. This is where it all ends. It's right there. And so he puts us, Paul so beautifully puts who we are in relationship to this big plan. So we, we got from the beginning, this is what's been Destined to happen is you have a relationship with God. And in the end, here's how, here's how it's all going to end. It's like this. And Paul takes that, that bracket and within that puts who we are in that place, in this vision, in this game plan. In this first paragraph, we see the game plan for literally all creation laid out for us in our place within that game plan. And our place within that game plan is to be redeemed Jesus. It, it's to be redeemed, to be forgiven. And then also we get a glimpse here, secure for the future, all things that of Him. Why I think this is so important to see this and, and internalize this, and, and I think be blown away by it, is because this is the answer to the question, why am I here? What's the point of this? This is it. We found it. And so I'm not saying you can't have hobbies or get fulfillment in careers. You totally can do that stuff. Absolutely. There's many ways to enjoy what God has given us in life. But the big answer, the big question, this is it. This is the answer to the big question. Ultimately, it's about finding fulfillment in relationship with God, being redeemed to Him. So I think it's key that we understand this as we open up our study on Ephesians. This is the big picture set out for us. It's key that we're inspired by this, that we understand it and take in this reality of what God has chosen for us, why it's amazing, how we get it. Um, that this mystery has been made known, I, I do think there's a few implications in this passage that I want to discuss. Um, I think I want to start with my first observation and one of the reasons why I wanted to go over this as a church. What we just learned about seem like pretty individual experiences. I, I'm saved. I have a relationship with God. This is what He wants for my life. But what stands out to me is explaining these individually experienced things like salvation and a relationship with God Paul consistently uses words like us, we, and our. Mm -hmm. I think just in these 13, maybe through verse 14, it's something like 13 times he uses us, we, our. This is significant because the whole reason why I want to go through this is for us to understand who we are as a church and the place of all this. So I just kind of talked about it individually, but really what's going on here is it's about us, we, and our. All right? Because I think we can get it in our head that there's like, there's just me and God, 
All right. Well, it's like, yeah, you have an individual relationship with God, but there's really no such thing. If you're baptized into the body right. of Christ, there's really no such thing as just you and God. I mean, yes, you have an individual relationship, but all this is meant to be played out in a community like this, experienced together, experienced with one another. I mean, there were like 64 verses about how to be how our relationships should look like with one another. So I really want to dispel that idea because I want to build this conviction that, man, we are a part of a people, a group, a body. It's not just me and what I want. And it's such a dangerous way of thinking. I mean, you know, if you've ever been married, you can tell how, how dangerous a way of thinking that is. It's just about me and what I want, what I can get out of this, how, how I can get the most out of what I'm doing as a transactional relationship. You know, if you're like, again, if you're married, you can really understand that, but you don't have to be. And so trying to break that down, I just want us to, together as people build this conviction and really think about, emphasize that word, us. Yeah. It's us together experiencing this. Amen. Okay? Huge. And, and, where, and that is... We're going to see so much of that in the coming weeks, so I'm going to leave that there for today. But I want us to build that conviction. There's a couple implications, I think, of this passage. I think the first implication is if we don't understand the big picture vision, the big goal, drive, and vision that God has for us in our life, we are left, I think, two ways. Either falsely fulfilling a, a need for purpose and desire and other things in life that will eventually leave us wanting more and never really you know, filling what we want to be filled with. And then that's one. I think another thing is there's kind of like a, a, a lostness. Like, man, I think we are designed to feel a purpose in a, in a drive. Like, and so when we don't have that, we feel lost. We just kind of wander. Maybe, we, you know, maybe settle into just certain sins and vices or maybe even feel a certain amount of depression because you just don't know what you're doing in life. So I think it's huge. If we don't get this, the implication is huge yeah. in how it can affect us. I think that's one. I think the second implication, this is, I think, where it gets really practical. Uh, there's a preacher, preacher I listened to for a while. He's pretty uh, inspirational for me for how I understand and preach the gospel. His name is Matt Chandler. And here's a quote I took from, from, uh, from one of his writings. He says, for someone to claim uh, to understand grace and not be able to extend it reveals that they don't understand grace. If you understand grace, you extend it. If you've experienced in the guts of your being what it's like to be found wanting, to be found needy, to be found broken, and to find your helplessness, uh, the mercy of God lavished upon you, the the delight of God extended to you, then you'll be hard-pressed to judge others cruelly. Mm -hmm. To be very quick to categorize and marginalize others because you understand that while you were at your worst, Christ died for you. I think if we don't really walk under this grace being lavished upon us and just the awe of being placed for a purpose in God's design, I don't know, I I read that, I'm like, wow, if you really get that, the way you act changes. The way you talk to people changes. The way you feel about people changes. I think you're even more keyed in to the brokenness of the world because you understand brokenness yourself yeah. and what it means to need and to, and to feel helpless. So I think it's key that we understand this idea because it's going to affect everything else you do. There's another quote from uh, this writer, A.W. A. Tozer. He says, the most important thing about a person is what they think about God. Yep. Mm-hmm. What you think about God and your relationship with God determines everything else in your life, literally everything else. 
it's key that we understand this idea. I would hope for us to be a church that can display that kind of grace to one another. I would hope to be a church that, that we live from a, a healed, let me put it this way, a healed brokenness. That we understand our brokenness before God and our sin, but we know we're redeemed and forgiven. And then just because here, like, God wants so much more for our life than what we see here sometimes, just right in front of us. I think about, um, you know, let's just, uh, well, we don't have to go there, I'll reference it. But when I think about Jesus calling the first disciples, he said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They're fishermen, all right? And so, so he's taking that profession that they have, and he's, when he says, I, I want you to be fishers of men, he's taking what they think their life is about, being fishermen, and he's totally blowing it apart mm-hmm. and trying to show them, I want something so much more for you. So much more than what you get right now. I want you to be able to go out in communities, talk to people, and have an actual, real, tangible impact on the world. And there's a lot of positive ways to have an impact on the world. But the most like, significant one is being able to reconcile somebody to Jesus. Like That is the most significant positive impact we could have. Like, yes. that, like There's a lot of other ways, amazing ways to impact the world. That maybe we do for professions or on the side or what amazing ways have positive impact, like volunteering and all those kinds of things. But the most tangible, amazing, uh, eternal thing we can do is help bring somebody, display this Absolutely. grace to somebody and bring them into that grace and reconcile them to that relationship to unite all things to God. So I hope that we can understand this grace in such a way that changes us. I hope we can understand God's plan in such a way that it just blows our mind with how much more God desires for us than the mediocrity we can live with sometimes in life. There's this, there's this uh, line from C.S. Lewis I quote all the time. I didn't put it in the sermon because you might be tired of it. Uh, but there's this book called The Weight of Glory. It's one of my favorite uh, spiritual books. If you haven't read it, highly would highly recommend it. It's a collection of essays from C.S. Lewis. One essay is called The Weight of Glory. And he's, it basically his observation is that humans were, you know, you can look at it and you can think, wow, we really go after pleasure. And we really, you know, we, we dive into our sins because we want to feel so much. And, 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 and God takes so much from us. That we can't feel, right? It's a really weird way to look at it, but it's what we can do sometimes. And he says it's not that it's actually not that we are uh, so uh, in need of this craving and passions that we sin. He's actually we're we're actually far too easily pleased. Mm. We're far too easily pleased that we just don't understand what it means. And this is his illustration: when a kid in the slums playing in the dirt refuses to take an all-expense vacation to the beach. Because wow. he just doesn't understand how amazing the beach is. That's what he's, we, he's saying us. We're the kids playing around in the dirt. Sometimes we just don't get the amazing, beautiful life that God wants so much for us to have. So I hope we want that. I hope we read this and we want to be a part of the big plan. We, we want to be a part of God's purpose and for all things, to reconcile things for our life. I, I, we want to experience this grace to be able to displace others. I hope this is what we can build together as we go through this sermon series. A profound understanding of who we are, why we're here. A profound understanding of our place in the big picture of things. A profound understanding of God's grace. And a profound desire to be able to live out, live that out and have that kind of impact on the world around us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you guys.